When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with myself, Sean Basto, your host for this episode. And today, it's Ones to Watch Series 2, Episode 6, with professional fighter 5 and 1, Umar Sadiq. We're going to be talking to Umar about his journey through boxing. We're going to be talking about his amateur career leading in to his professional career and what his life's like outside the ring. His big grudge match with Zach Chelly, which happened in 2018, we'll also touch on that and what he felt happened in the fight but before we get into the episode please go and check us out on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts BTR Boxing Podcast subscribe to us on Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM whichever is the best one for you and whichever one you use to listen to your podcast go on there and subscribe to get all the latest episodes of our podcast please if you're also on there or you're already subscribed to the podcast and you haven't rated us yet please go and rate us because it really helps us it really helps produce more quality content for us it really helps us get to see that we are doing the right things for the podcast so please keep going on there keep producing the ratings and reviews it really truly helps our independent podcast so here it is then this is the episode episode six of series two of ones to watch with umar sadiq so, delighted to welcome Umar Sadiq onto the show. Umar, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak to us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. So, we're here today to talk about you, your career, your story, your journey through boxing. So, first question really that I've got for you is is what it was that got you into boxing. Oh, it's, it's a bloody long story. But <laughs> the short version of it is uh, I started off in a youth project where there was a guy called Tony Sasse doing boxing 
Um, he sort of gave everyone praises for everything they did, and I just made a decision there and then that whenever he praised me, he was going to mean it, as opposed to just trying to cheer me on. So I followed him around to different centers and different boxing gyms, trying to be the best in every place I went to. And um, three years down the line, I took six weeks out, no, six months out, sorry. Um, not Never wanting to be a boxer, just being competitive for the sake of it. So six months out, got absolutely hammered with friends of mine. Um, turned up to the gym and three, um, three hours sleep and was made to spar a guy who I later on found out a week after won the novice championship. So during then I thought, well, I've got a bit of a talent here. I should see what I can do with it. So I just decided at first to carry my competitive nature into just seeing, you know, what I could do in boxing with, you know, the likes of the best in London or whatever. And then um, several years down the line, uh, I fell in love and now this is what I do for a living. So going back to your amateur career then, talk a little bit about what it was like for you when you transitioned over into that style of boxing and the the whole, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a game of chess and a bit of fencing that's involved. It's a certain style that you have to adapt to, to be successful in the amateurs. Yeah, so the amateur... Um, method of scoring changed a few times also as an amateur so the when I first started it was the times when they wanted everyone standing up straight without leaning forward to avoid head clashes so it was really the fencing style and then um, you're sort of allowed to box a little bit more after and then towards the end of my amateur career um, you know the head guards came off and you, you were getting rewarded for body shots and things of the like so we went through quite a few transitions during the amateur period and all of those served to help me adapt and um, add different tools to my toolkit, so to speak, so that I'm now able to box at range, I'm able to box mid-range, and I'm also able to box inside quite comfortably. So did you have, compete in any, any competitive finals? Did you win any titles as such that you can speak of? Yeah, so in our amateurs, the first, sort of, the first, actually my first ever fight was in the Haringey Box Cup in um, London, and uh, I lost it controversially. So a guy who had had about 18 fights or something at the time. Um, so, but obviously I was a ringer because I'd been training for so many years. <laughs> um, and then I, t- I took it on from there, um, boxing a lot of club shows. Then um, went on to go into the ABAs after nine fights. I beat a lot of good guys, including you know this year's finalist and you know, European bronze medalist as well. I beat. You know, and I was only a few fights in. Um, eventually, I, I lost in the London finals. Um, in a very close fight, that could have gone either way. And then consequently going on from there, whenever I'd lost in the ABAs, it was usually either controversial or to either basically a, a finalist, so either the runner-up or the winner. So I'd been in good company there. Um, I went on, I went back to Haringey Box Cup, won that a couple of times. Um, I won the British University Championship, so I went over to Nigeria a few times, became Nigerian champion out there, boxed for the... Um, I was in the Olympic team for 2012 but got injured and then I was in the Olympic team for 2016 again. Um, again, controversial decisions and the qualifiers meant I didn't make it to the, 26, to the Rio Olympics. And um, that aside, um, well, just a few other little bits I don't really remember right now. I boxed for England as well um, and London a few times. So you are originally from Nigeria. Uh, when did you yeah. come over? When did you and your family come over to, to the UK? And the, obviously the fact you've got dual nationality, you've been able to go over to Nigeria and box over there as well. Are you proud of the, the fact that you've got that Nigerian heritage? We've, I'm going to try to avoid getting too deep here, but <laughs> in short, 
I see myself and everybody else on this planet as a citizen of the world, bored as a man-made, and um, they're only um, as strong as the agreements being made to hold them in place. So I don't see myself to be tied down to any region of the world or you know of any particular ethnic origin. I mean, yeah. I spent most of my conscious years in the UK, so I do mostly relate to the UK. I mean, if you put me in Nigeria, I might be lost a bit, but um, <laughs> that's not to say that I don't identify with Nigeria because I was born here and there are some cultural um, impressions that were made made on me from a young age. But in short, yeah, I still just don't believe in borders. Um, yeah, I do have dual nationality, but I don't look at it as a thing where I need to tie myself down to um, one man-made region, regional border, so to speak. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you there, Umar. I'm not going to dispute anything you're saying, because I think you're right in what you're saying, and, you know, it's a big political debate to get into, and this is not the right time or place to do it, but <laughs> no, it's, <not. laughs> it's, it's good to know, obviously, the way you look at the world and the way you look at yourself as a person, and it's, it's really good to hear that, and obviously, you know, you've come you've come and you've boxed it professionally now for, for six fights, and we'll talk about that career. You've been in your career for two years as a professional, started out September yeah. 2017 against Louis Van Pooch. Uh, you've obviously yeah. been in and f- for Zach Chelly, which was probably the most notable name on your record. And it was yeah. a fight that you took very early on in your career. Was there a particular reason why you and your team decided to take that fight so early on? So I took the fight because I've got the beating of Zach. I'm a much better fighter than he is. Contrary to the fact that I lost to him, obviously I've got to concede that. But I'd happily take that fight again now and um, show what I should have done in the first fight. Um, those were several things that happened leading up to the fight that just meant it, it just wasn't my night. It wasn't meant to be. So many things out of my control and even Zach's ever wildest dreams happened that I've just accepted it as it was meant to be. But even saying that, it was still a close fight that a lot of people still think I won. So it's not like, you know, I got in there and got outclassed or anything like that. It was a very good, entertaining, close fight that I went into not prepared to be going into a fight. And I've only gained confidence from it. And like I said, I'd happily take that fight any time again. Yeah, it was a really good fight, and uh, there was a lot of people, like you say, that it did divide opinion about who actually won that fight on the cards. The, obviously, the, yeah. rest is, the rest is history now. It's the past, and now you're moving on. You're looking towards the future. You've fought twice already this year. You're due to fight again mm-hmm. this coming weekend uh, against tough journeyman Daryl Sharp at the York Hall. Once, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, once you've got through that particular fight, what's your plan then for the future now? Are you looking to try and push back up to getting yourself in with a guy? I like Zach Chelly again, or would you wait? Would you want to wait until there's more on the line in terms of a professional title being on the line to fight someone like Zach again? So starting from the way I've explained the amateur career, I mean, my first ever fight was in a tournament where I was boxing a kid who had, you know, nearly 20 fights. Most fight, most amateur fighters don't even want to fight someone who's had two fights more than they have, and that was my, you know, my fighting debut. It's going to show my character and my, the self belief that I have. So um, consequently, I went on to box at the highest level as an amateur, boxing internationally for more than one nation. So with all of that experience and that character, I've not come into the professional ranks thinking that I need takeover jobs, you know. I've come in meaning business, which is also why I took the fight with Zach, and I'd happily do it again, like I said. So 
even though that fight didn't go my way, it wasn't a thing that I felt that I needed to go backwards. It's just sort of the way that the dominoes fell, so to speak. So, you know, I split with my team after because, like I said, a lot of things happened and a big part of why I was the coach at the time. Um, so I, I, I took some time out, got a new team, and when you get a new team, you, get, you have the promoter and the team saying to you, look, we need a couple of run-outs to get used to each other. Um, but then we've had that, and we're trying to step up. And even this fight with Daryl was meant to be against someone you know ranked higher than me. But unfortunately, the show was um, confirmed for me to be on in two weeks' notice, and a lot of people are saying that's too short notice for them. So, so I had to work our way down until we found someone who was happy to take the fight. So I appreciate Daryl for taking it. I know that he's um, he's a game opponent. He's a lot better than his record suggests. And um, like you said, he's very durable. So I'm prepared and taking him serious like I would any other opponent. And um, the short answer really to your question was um, I never felt that I needed to go back down and work my way back up. I'm, I've always still been happy, even right after the um, Chelly fight, to um, crack on for titles. But what I'm quickly learning is that in boxing, um, things aren't done always go the way that you dream them no, to be. No. There are a lot of um, variables that need to be worked on and the best I can do is continue to work to be the best fighter I can be and um, continue to push outside of the ring and be ready for when opportunities present themselves. And that's it, and that's what it's all about. And obviously there's people that, that find it great, you know, great difficulty in, in actually becoming a professional boxer and the life of a professional boxer. How have you found the transition from amateur to professional in terms of what you have to do behind the scenes? So in terms of being able to sell <laughs> a certain amount of tickets and be able to, to be able to put them out there and, and to be able to actually put yourself out there and promote yourself on social media because a lot of it these days is about the social media and how you put yourself out there to promote yourself to sell tickets how have you found that aspect of the game um in short when you're an amateur you're boxing because you're boxing and it's as simple as that so there's a tournament or there's a show you tell your friends and family and whoever turns up turns up and whoever doesn't doesn't and you win you lose whatever worst case scenario you wait another year to go in the tournament again and that's it but basically it's all about the boxing turn professional and you become businessmen and those who fail to realize that unless they get lucky um, fall short of making the sacrifices worth their while in terms of financial reward um, or achievements even getting opportunities so again as, as a pro you just got to treat it as a business you are a business you're a brand so you've got to do brand marketing you, you are a product also so you've got to sell your products and the product is also got to deliver on fight nights so um, with that, like with any other business, comes a lot of things. So, you know, you're having meetings, um, you're planning your next phase of marketing campaigns, um, you're dealing with um, sales, procurement. Like when you first rang me, I was in the post office because I was posting tickets people just bought for this Saturday. Um, so it's having to do all of these things. And it's nice when you have people to help you, but you don't know, you know, at the early stages, you can't afford to have the staff to help you manage this business. So you are the director, you are the salesperson, you are the videographer, the editor, um, the delivery person, yeah, the stock controller and every other component that comes with it. And um, so, you know, the difference is an amateur, you box literally just for the love of boxing and as a pro, you're managing a business and those are the differences. And I think so long as you're aware of it and you accept it, you'll be fine. So I never do any of it thinking, oh, you know, this is hell, this is manic, or this is so hard, or why is it like this, it's so unfair. These these are things I hear people say, but I always just think, no, 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 no. just recognize where you are, recognize the game that you're playing, and play it well. 
Have you found it, all the above which you just said to me there about selling the brand, doing the tickets, posting the tickets off to people, do you find it to be any sort of distraction or disruption whilst you're in training camp? It depends on how you do it. So fortunately for me, um, I'm able to box full time. So really I can make time to do you know, things within reason. And if I need extra help, then I've got some friends I can call on to just say, look, I really need a favour with this. Um, but for the most part, I try to do it myself. Um, that being said, once I start fighting for major titles, or when I'm fighting people where you know I absolutely cannot switch off, then of course I'm going to have to look for external help. So it does become hard in that respect. I just want to take a little pause of this episode just to let you know about our sponsors for the podcast. As you know, it's Bear Attack Boxing, producing high-quality boxing gloves and boxing equipment to suit all your needs. The latest product they've got on the market is the Pluto Glove, which is handcrafted for the fighter inside of you. These gloves not only protect your hands to land the perfect punches, but they allow you to move easily around the ring, creating the angles you need. This is the perfect fight club, and it's only £49. So go and check them out on social media. They're on all platforms at Bear Attack Boxing. You can find their website at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. Go and check out everything that they do. They produce some high-quality boxing equipment. You've heard me week in, week out talk about the equipment, about the Master One Focus Pads, about the Pluto Glove. You've seen it all. You've heard it all. Now go and check them out. Follow them on social media, Bear Attack Boxing. And again, it's www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. UK. Who's been the toughest opponent of your career to date, would you say? Um, that's quite a subjective thing. So do you mean toughest is in durable or toughest is in person I found the hardest? I would probably say the, the fight that you found the most difficult for yourself. That would be... I remember I did once say it was Lewis Van Poosh on my debut. But thinking back at it, I would say it was my second fight against um, Yolton Nevers. Um, simply because you, it's awkward as anything. Um, it's a southpaw... Slick, well, um, fancied himself as a slick star came in, I dropped him I think end of the first round or something and um, after that he just didn't want to know so you got a slick southpaw who's on survival mode and it was just, you know my brain was working just as hard as my body was and I did everything trying to stop him but um, <laughs> didn't in the end but yeah, that was a really tough exercise, I'd say. The journeymen don't really get as much respect as what they should do because they are the backbone of boxing. Do you feel like when you've been in there with a couple of the guys that you've fought so far in your career that you, you learn a lot from them fights? Some people criticise fighters for, for taking these fights. I mean, there's, there's some fighters that will take too many of these fights, for example. However, at this stage of your career, do you feel like the experience you've had with it being so mixed and with having such a high-profile fight so early on, do you feel like you've took a, a hell of a lot of experience away from the guys that you've been in the ring with? Yeah, everyone you fight with is unique, so there's always going to be something else to learn from them. So by default, yeah, of course. I do agree with you that some people take too many of these fights. I think you've got to question why you do anything that you do. And if you're, fight, if you're turning professional and fighting journeyman at a start, I think that's okay because I can already see the reasoning is there's so many variables that you're not used to. You're trying to limit risk until you become comfortable, you know, with, like I said, the ticket sales, promotions, dealing with the weigh-in, the event, the ring walk, the music, entertaining crowd. Um, just going through all of those reps, getting comfortable with those, um, getting acquainted with your team, what it feels like to wrap your hands, the feel the new gloves, all these things. And I think all, all, all those variables and then some make it okay to fight a few journeymen in the start 
But I think once you get your head around that, then ideally what you want to do is start cracking on so that you can learn some more. That's not to say that, you, and I said learn some more intentionally because yes, you are learning from the journeyman, like you said yourself. And they are always to be respected because people do get chinned by them. You know, some people get knocked out, some people get beat on points or whatever. So if you're not in your A game, some journeymen would just think, do you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go for it this time. So, <laughs> yeah, you got you got to definitely respect them in the ring and out there because, like you said, they are the backbone of it. And without the likes of Daryl Sharp, I probably won't be boxing on Saturday. So going back to your career and your ambitions for your career then, Umar, you've, like I said, you're one of the few fighters that I know of at this stage of the career who's took a high-profile fight so early. And obviously you've spoke about that and you've talked about your reasoning behind taking the high-profile fight so early. And... You've gone on now to get the fights under your belt. You're going in against Daryl, and then you're going to move on in your career. Ideally, where do you see yourself going over, say, the next six months? Will you look to have one or two more fights for this year and then look at a professional title? I would want to have three more fights this year, and at least one of them should be a professional title. But like I said at the start, I've learned in boxing um, what you want and what you get aren't always the same thing. I would have wanted to be fighting for a title already. I would have been wanting to fight for a title, but... Again, you know, you've got when you've got hundreds of people all their own ideas and their own ideologies which don't always fit with yours, then you know you're now playing a game of managing variables to suit you or trying to reach the top of a pecking order of some sort. But again, in short, I would like to have three fights before the end of the year after this one, and at least one of those should be a um, title fight. If my first fight after the summer break is a title fight, then maybe I'll just have one more after that. Are you still promoted by Queensbury Promotions? Yeah, I am. So I'm still a Frank Warren for, um, signed fighter. But the, the thing is, so they've got a show on July 13th at O2, and they were trying to set up another London show for quite a few of us fighters who aren't on the July 13th card to be on. So, you know, you've got Zach Chelly himself who's not on that card, um, Leron Richards, um, you know, James Branch, quite yeah. a few fighters, London-based, aren't on that card. And they're trying to set up another card for us to all be on, and it doesn't look like that's going to come through. So I just requested permission to be allowed to box in another show because for me what's important is my development and keeping consistent as opposed to what it might look to people on the outside. So where some fighters will think, well, well I'm starting to Frank Warren if I, box in a, if I box in another promoter show, it might look like I got dropped or whatever. I don't think in that way because ultimately I'm going to fight on this other card and my next fight is likely going to be on a Frank Warren card and if it's not I'll do it again I'll continue to box wherever I can box because the priority is to be active to keep building my craft because at the end of the day I'm training to be a world champion not training for clout you know and when you're not dropping tickets off when you're not in training what do you get up to outside of the ring just just in general do what you do as a, aside from the boxing uh, well I'm a model part time so sometimes I'm going to castings or I'm on shoots and stuff like that um, I'm also a salsa dancer now, so I go classes and I go to parties. Um, I do also do performances, and then outside of that, I'm really just a nerd. So if I'm not seeing family <laughs> or friends, I'm trying to learn something new, uh, random stuff, you know, like quantum physics or something to do with astrology. Or today I was looking at some stuff to do with, um, so basically I was looking into like the roots of Islam because theology is something that interests me. I don't practice any religion. But I just enjoy learning about them and seeing where different people are coming from, spiritual things and teachings. I love Hindu stuff and um, Buddhist teachings and stuff. So, yeah, I'm kind of a random person, really. 
So what you're telling me then is you're a man of many talents and not just uh, someone who participates in the ring. Well, um, yeah, in, a, in as much of a modest way as I can say that, yeah. <laughs> so just going back to the well, something you said earlier to me, you were talking about the fact that you are fortunate to not have to work full-time. Some fighters are not as fortunate and do have to go through that process. But in terms of what you're doing at the moment and, and mm-hmm. the position you're in, sponsors-wise, are you in the position where the, a lot of the sponsors are able to cover a lot of the things that you're able to do so they give you the breathing room you need to be able to fully focus on training and getting yourself prepared for fights so currently I've only got one sponsor they're called Bitstocks the cryptocurrency investment firm they're really really good um, and I'm not just saying that everyone says these things about the sponsors but there's a reason why I only have one sponsor it's because I'd only partner with an organization whose ethos I believe in and um, whose, whose business concepts you know I resonates with me so again I work with Bitstocks they sponsor me um, generously and that helps but and like I mentioned I'm also a model part-time so that helps supplement a lot of my living and then fighting Frank Warren fights isn't usually the worst payday sometimes <laughs> um, so between all of that and sens- spending sensibly I'm able to manage I'm, I mean I'm not I wouldn't say I'm balling or anything I don't have money to splash around but I have what I need to survive and focus on boxing and that's what I need right now because boxing's my only focus right now anyway. Yeah, and I think that, that sums that up, really. If anybody, you know, listening to the episode, listening about your career, listening about you as a person, and decided they wanted to get in touch with you to maybe discuss potential sponsorship for the future, obviously they've got some barriers uh, to break down there with you being so rigid with what you want. And, you know, again, personally, I understand why you're doing it. You don't just want to affiliate yourself with any company out there because they might not be the company that end up being the ones that a good representation of you as a fighter. And I totally understand that because it's for all all about the brand yeah. awareness as you were speaking about earlier but if anybody wanted to contact you any company that listens to it and go actually he sounds like a sound guy he sounds like a guy actually who's got the same values as me i want to get in touch with him how could they do that yeah so just for starters not to put anyone off that might be listening <laughs> it's not that i'm not open to sponsorships like i mentioned you know it's just that it needs to make sense there's too many fighters out here i think that would just jumping anyone's bandwagon just because they're giving them a bit of money or buying a few tickets of them. I get, you know, you see fighters outside their local businesses going, this is the best local, I don't know, friggin' butchers. Make yeah. sure you come here for your meat. <laughs> and it's like, how do you know it's the best? Have you tried every butcher? I don't eat meat anyway, so I wouldn't. But, you know, it's just, you can see right through it, like there isn't any meaning behind it. It's obvious that it's a transaction that's been made. Whereas, I like to, you know, really resonate with a person's business and that's not to say there's anything wrong with a butcher but uh, you know well actually that, that take, I'm a vegan so that maybe that's not the best example <laughs> <laughs> but you get the idea but um, in short no just you know go on my website topboxersadeek.com or on any of my social medias like twitter instagram facebook topboxersadeek you'll find me everywhere and then just get in touch just talking I believe in building long lasting relationships that are meaningful to both parties you know I don't want to just receive so to speak that take 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 I'd also like to give back and I believe I do a good job of that with my current sponsor and I'd be open to do that doing that with more people if you wanted to reach out so to sum yourself up then just uh, I know people hate this but talking about yourself in the third person if you're putting yourself out there and you want to put your brand out there if you wanted people to obviously continue 
continue to follow your journey and buy more tickets and support your career for people that maybe listen that don't really know of you as yet or have maybe heard of you but have not really seen any of your fights what would you describe who how would you describe yourself as a fighter People who don't like talking to about themselves in third person just don't like the sound of themselves. That's what it is. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> um, now, so you know, as you can tell from if you've listened this far into the interview, I'm not your typical boxer. I'm not even a typical person. Very unique and original individual. Uh, I could be well spoken as I am now. I could speak, you know, man can chat a bit of road because obviously I grew up in London and that. Or I can speak, you know, like with an African accent or whatever. I can thrive in any type of environment and anything I do. But most importantly, you're listening to this because I'm a professional boxer. Um, I've got great pedigree behind me, tons of skill, tons of talent, loads of self belief. I'm fucking good looking. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm in this because I'm destined to be the undisputed super middleweight champion of the world. So I'll um, follow my journey. Watch, I do vlogs as well. You can see some of the things I get up to. Super dedicated to boxing. Although I sound a bit flat right now, it's because it's fight week and I'm sort of in the zone. I'm about to go into training right now as well. But, you know, typically I'm entertaining, charismatic. Um, I can fight. I look good. Like, what more do you need from a fighter? Just follow my journey. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's been absolutely fantastic to hear your story, to hear about you, to hear about your plans for the future. Really appreciate you taking the time out to speak to us today. No worries at all. Like I said, it's my, my pleasure. Thank you for giving me your time. And um, all the best in the rest of your show. So there you go. That was episode six of Ones to Watch with Umar Sadiq. Really enjoyed listening to him talk about his career today. Talk about the fight with Zach Shelley that happened last year. Really, really good fight. Go and check it out if you've not seen it already. Also, good to hear what he does outside of the ring. He's a model. He gets involved in all sorts of different things. He's very interested in all types of subjects. And he's a guy that obviously clearly wants to broaden his horizons, not just as a fighter, but as a person in general. So, really enjoyed listening to that. And if you enjoyed listening to that, go and follow him on social media. Find him. He's on all social media platforms. Go and give him a little follow. Check out his journey. He fights this coming weekend, which is the 6th of July. He's fighting on Steve Goodwin's show at the York Hall. Go and check him out. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please go and check us out on BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook, and also find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. It really helps us. If you're on Android, check us out on Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, Player FM, any of them apps out there. We're on every single one of them. You can subscribe or follow the list on there and find us and listen to all the latest episodes. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you on the next episode of Ones to Watch. Podcast Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.